listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And good morning. Welcome to the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and I'm very glad that you're listening. Now, my goal here is to entertain you for the next hour, and in doing that, introduce you to a writer you may not have heard of yet, one with work that you really should know about. Now, you may tell me, actually, you're going to try to tell yourself, that you don't read. Okay? Are you on Facebook? Do you use Twitter? Think about that. Did you know that the average novel or nonfiction book is really around 400 pages? Now, ooh, that's a lot, you might tell yourself. But if you read just three pages a day, three, you'd be over halfway through your third exciting novel in less than a year. So just think about that. Reading is a lost art, and there are a lot of good writers and a lot of good material out there, and I just hope that you'll sit back and let me introduce you to one this morning. Now, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get your comments and suggestions, and especially I'd love to get some recommendations for future guests on the program. Now, email me, if you would, at Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or you can use Doug at DougDahlgren.com, whichever suits you. Now, this audience that you are a part of this morning is worldwide, and that includes many members of our armed forces stationed here and abroad. We here at America's Web Radio thank each of them for what they do every day to keep us safe back here at home. Our guest today comes to us from a beautiful scenic state we call Colorado. She's an author, an artist, a food and wine gourmet, and she's an avid reader. Her novel, Fettigrew Hall, is a suspenseful mystery that she calls the biography of a house, and it's the first of a planned series. Now, the author is Anne Flint. The book is Fettigrew Hall, the biography of a house, and this is your prologue. Following the death of her husband, Megan Redford returns to where she's been raised, across the sea in England. Megan finds, explores, and becomes obsessed with an abandoned Tudor mansion. Her fascination leads her to purchase and begin restoration of the house, some locals believe, to be haunted. A door that cannot be opened, a hidden passage, and ghostly happenings drive a trusted friend into madness. Can Megan save that house? Can she save herself? Fettigrew Hall, a biography of a house by Ann Flint. Author Ann Flint is here with us this morning. How are you doing today, Ann? I'm great, Doug. Nice to talk to you. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for bringing us this exciting, ghostly little book you've got, Fettigrew Hall. Now, in this, you take us back to England, and... Fettigrew Hall is an old English Tudor home. Is is it a real location, a real house? No, it is not. It comes from my imagination, but it is based on three houses there that inspire me. There's a castle called Scotney Castle that has romance. It's, it's very beautiful, and it's surrounded by a beautiful lake and moat. There's Stokesay Castle that is... Uh, 
a bit like, well, it has a jettied window that hangs out over um, the ground, and it is similar to what I described in my 13th century book. Uh, the character in that book builds this beautiful window for his wife so that she can do needlework. And then lastly, it's based on Little Morton Hall, which is more like a house rather than a castle. And it looks a bit more like what I describe in my uh, book. Now, you've got a really personal interest in old houses, do you not? I really do. Is that what inspired you to write this work? You know, I suppose so. I love mysteries, and I love England, and um, that's probably just what led me down the path to do this. Now, your interest in old homes, you actually live in an older home there in Colorado, do you not? I do, yes. So do you ever find any hidden passages or ghostly happenings up in the uh, attic around that house? No, you know, I really don't, which kind of makes me sad. I have a friend who is, uh, says she's a psychic. She says my house is full of ghosts, but I have had no experience from that at all. And the neatest thing I've ever found is the uh, is just some flooring that was like an old old linoleum they used to put down, but and uh, we found remnants of that. But mostly, there's just nothing very interesting at my house. <laughs> okay. Well, where did the idea for this uh, for this novel come from? Well, I was thinking about if walls could talk, and I thought a 600 year old house is present for everything that happens to the people living there. And if it was a living entity, it could tell us about its history and what happened there and what the people did. And that's why I called it a biography. Okay. Is it a ghost story, pure and simple? Uh, I'm not sure what category it fits into. There's a little bit of romance, a little bit of history. But I'd say most of all, it's probably a ghostly mystery. Okay. And you've explained the biography of a house to us. That's kind of a self-titled genre that you come up with, uh, with your comment about if walls could talk. So, in other words, you're letting the house help you tell the story here. Is that kind of where I'm going with that? Yes. Uh, all right. It is. All right. Now, Fettigrew, that's a kind of an interesting name. Is, is that something that you heard somewhere else, or where does that name come from? Well, I was looking for something that would sound English, British, and I know that there is a Pettigrew with a P, it's a, a last name, and there's also a Feta Place that's a very well-known historical family. So I put the two together and made Fettigrew. Okay. The protagonist of this story, we've already mentioned her, Megan. She travels to England and finds this house. Describe her in a little more detail, uh, if you would, for the listeners. Um, she's apparently very beautiful. She's probably in her late 40s. Most of my characters are older people, which I, I kind of like, feel rather proud of, you know, often have stories about middle-aged people. Um, she's, uh, she's also very interested in old houses and had restored 
quite a few in America. She had a decorating company but also uh, worked on houses and flipped them, basically. Um, she's well-educated. She loves animals, so there's an element of that in the story, and that will be further developed in the future books. She has kind of strawberry blonde hair, goldish-brown eyes. Um, I don't remember anything else. <laughs> okay. Now, is she based on anybody that you knew or that you currently know? No, she's not, but uh, some of her experiences have happened to me, so I suppose like any author, you throw in things you know or have experience to create what happens in your book. I think we do that unconsciously. We just uh, It's just part of us, part of our psyche. We had experiences that we've had. Uh, you traveled a great deal over there. Did you run into any ghostly situations while you were touring in England? Well, darn it, no, I didn't, although I was in many, many places where they claimed there were ghosts. They just didn't visit me. You, you, just, can't get, you just can't get haunted if you tried, can you? I just can't, no, apparently not. Well, now, we, we've, mentioned, we've mentioned ghosts, and I uh, don't want people to think it's strictly that. This, the storyline in this book is very involved, and it's quite interesting, did you have the plot completed in your mind before you sat down to start writing? No, I really did not. I just started writing and let it go where it went. So let the characters take you, or did the house take you on the journey? Well, the characters really did, and, and it sounds funny to say, but after a while, the characters started to do things I didn't want them to do, and I was really upset about that at first. I found out later that that's a pretty common occurrence for writers. But um, I decided that, you know, if I was surprised by the things that were going on, that probably my readers would be too. So ultimately, I chose the direction that they were going, and I think it made a, a good mystery. It does, and you're exactly right. Uh, writing, when you flesh out a character, and other writers that are listening to us this morning and, and those prodigious readers that are out there will understand what we're talking about here. If you flesh out a character well enough, they take on a life of their own, and we're not trying to be uh, out-of-body experience or anything weird, but a well-developed character will lead the writer on its own path, and it's kind of like uh, herding cats sometime. Uh, it's up to the author to keep everybody pointed in the right direction. Uh, yeah. Is that is that yeah. how you look at it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was a very strange experience, but um, I'm wondering if that's going to happen again in future books. I don't know. I would say that one main book that I'm working on right now, it um, it does happen to some extent, but it's actually helped me or led me down a path that I think will make the book better. Well, now, you've alluded to the other book. You're working on a sequel to this one, and uh, I don't believe mm -hmm. we really have a title quite yet, but uh, you're talking about this book back in the 13th century or really at the start of when this home would have been built. Uh, you want to tell us just a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, the 
it's um, the 13th century. This is the story of the first development of the property, which was a castle. So the house, Fetigrew Hall, doesn't really exist in the 13th century yet. But uh, this story is about the Fourth Crusade and uh, the men who went to fight that crusade in the Middle East and also the main character, who's a young woman, who is pretty much left in charge of this castle because most of the men who are able to fight have gone with their father and uncle. And um, other men who are too old to go and fight or too young uh, start dying off, and a lot of the responsibility falls on her shoulders. Wow. Okay. So we actually backpedal from the first story. Is there an order that you recommend people read these? Obviously, this one's out now, so I guess we start with Fetigrew Hall. Yeah. Well, Fetigrew okay. Hall is, is a contemporary story of what is going on at the house currently. Uh, okay. So the 13th century backs up to the very beginning of the story. I don't All think right. you have to. We'll, we'll hear a little bit more about that uh, when we come back, folks. We're here this morning with Ann Flint. She is the author of Fetigrew Hall, The Biography of a House. And we're talking about that and the prequel. And we'll be back after these messages. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead Revolutionary War heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And good morning again. Welcome back to the prologue. We're here this morning with Ann Flint. She's a Colorado writer that takes us on journeys to England and story about Fetigrew Hall, the biography of a house. Now, 
And we were talking a little bit about the prequel when we had to break for the announcements there. Uh, this prequel is really to be read after Fedegru Hall. You were telling us how it's contemporary. And uh, finish your thought on that, would you? Um, yes, that's the, the 13th century, the beginning of the, the uh, development of the property where the house ultimately is built. But in the 13th century, there was a castle there which is in ruins in the current time. So um, it's, I don't think you really have to read the books in order, probably. I try real hard to make someone who would pick up in the, in the middle of the series would still understand what's going on and who these characters are, um, just, just for that situation where they might not have all the books available. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you could read the 13th century without ever having read Bettigrew Hall, and it would be, it would make sense to you. You know, okay. they're not really related at this point. But at this stage of uh, the game, we really don't have the 13th century book out yet, so we do want people to read Bettigrew Hall first. <laughs> so, that's a well, good that's point. very true. Yes. <laughs> this is a good place to tell people where can they find it. Where can they get more information? about Anne Flint's book, Fettigrew Hall, The Biography of a House? I think it's pretty easy. You can Google my name, Anne Flint. You can Google Fettigrew Hall. Those, both those searches come right to the top. Um, my website is www.fettigrewhall.com. Um, you can purchase Let's the book. Let's spell that for them. Let's spell like, that for the folks. It's F like Fettig, uh Sorry, F. Like Freddie, E T T I G R E W Hall H A L L. Um, it's available as an ebook on my website or a printed book. You can get it on Amazon, or the ebooks are on Smashword, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, or Nook. Um, Create Space. So I think it's pretty easy to find at this point. Anywhere great books are sold, as we like yeah. to say. It is a great now, book, so yes. <laughs> now, you've also written some nonfiction in the past. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, would you? Well, most of because I I have a degree in history uh, with an emphasis on British history, and so... A lot of things that I've written uh, that are nonfiction are related to historical research. Um, oftentimes, my blog is something like that. Someplace I've visited or recommend or interesting facts about a location. Now, is the nonfiction work primarily in your blog, or, or do you actually have any published works out there? Uh, no, it's primarily the blog. Okay, all right. Which genre do you uh, enjoy more? Do you like, I mean, talk, speaking to you as a writer now, do you enjoy the fiction or the nonfiction more? Mm. I'm not sure I can answer that. Um, I love doing research. I probably would rather do research than writing if you get right down to it, but uh, I think writing nonfiction is easier. You don't have to make things up in your head. You just have to collect what you've found and put it into a 
a readable format. So I don't know how to describe that because when you're when things are going well and you're writing fiction, it's a real it's a wonderful high. I think you would agree with that. Oh yes, oh yes. Well, now you you bring up the research. We know you travel a great deal. Tell us how you research a story like Federer Hall. Oh, well, um, it could be anything. I make extreme efforts to make what I write as accurate as possible. So I might want to know um, maybe what the cultural habits of of, uh, people would be in a certain time period, maybe what they ate or how they served it or maybe what they did at their Christmas parties or any number of things like that. So I have a lot of books that I use as research, and now it's much easier because you can find so many obscure and interesting things on the Internet. Yes, you can. Uh, the Internet's a great place, but you have to be careful, <laughs> or yeah. or sometimes the readers have to be careful. I like to describe what I do as uh, being plausible fiction. I do a lot of mm-hmm. research through, through the Internet and other things as well, but uh, I call my stuff plausible fiction because uh, it's close enough to reality that they have to uh, look it up to find out whether I made it up or not, you know. So well, do you like to use that technique? Yeah, I think that would be fair to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Now let's go into a little bit about your background. Uh, where is Anne Flint from? Well, I've spent most of my life in Colorado, but then I'm old, so <laughs> uh, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, as we've gotten older, my husband and I have, have the moving around has slowed down. I guess you put it that way. We've been in Colorado Springs now for 10 years, but this is the third time we've lived here. Uh, Mostly we've just lived in Colorado up and down the Front Range, which might not mean anything to anybody who hasn't been here, but basically the state is divided in half by the mountain range of the Rocky Mountains, and most of the population lives on the east side of those mountains. So we've kind of bounced up and down. Okay, the east side, uh, would that include Glenwood Springs, or would you consider that to be on the west side? That's on the west side. That's over the okay. mountain. That's where okay. you were, right? You visited well, yes. There. Yes. Uh, I think my listeners are probably bored to tears hearing about our trip, but yes, about uh, two months ago we made a trip out to Colorado. And, folks, if you haven't been, I highly recommend it. You really have to go. Um Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Now, you you moved around. You didn't mention all the states that I know you have been in, like Michigan and all that. Give us a recap. Tell us where all you've been in this country. Oh, goodness sakes. Well, I was born in Wisconsin, but I was living in Michigan by the time I was three. Um, Let's see. We moved from Michigan to Colorado when I was nine. And... um, you see, I lived in Golden, which is near Denver, and then I lived in Delta, which is on the, the west side of the state. And then I went to live in Bethesda, Maryland, where my father lived after my parents were divorced. And then I lived in Princeton, New Jersey, 
and Florida and back to Colorado. <laughs> so you've had a, a taste of all kind of regions within the country, uh, the south and the northeast and, of course, now out west. Your educational mm-hmm. background, uh, you mentioned your degree in history. Was that in, in Colorado? Where did, where did you go to school? Yeah. I went to University of Colorado in Boulder. Boulder okay. is just northwest of, of Denver. Okay. So you have a degree in history, and I'm sure that's been very helpful to you in your research and really in knowing what's real and what's not when you're doing that Internet research stuff. Was, while you were in school, and not just in college, but even back in elementary and high school, was there a particular individual, a teacher maybe, or, or could it have been a family member that inspired you to be interested in writing? You know, I don't, I don't think so, but my dad was a writer. He had a degree in journalism, but most of what he did was fundraising and uh, editing that sort of thing. He wasn't really a fictional writer. Um, So I never grew up thinking, oh, I'm going to grow up and be a writer like my dad. But um, I don't know. I I, I just kind of fell into it, I guess, after many years of reading mysteries. And, you know, what really happened was about the time my son hit the age of two, I thought I was going to lose my mind, so I started reading mysteries in the hopes that I could take myself away from the real world, and <laughs> it worked. Two-year-olds will do that to you yeah. real quick. <laughs> yeah. well, listen, uh, you write about England, and you, you, you travel there a great deal and all, but living most of your life in Colorado, and I, I can attest to the beauty out there, um, that really has to be spiritually and, and visually inspirational to you. How much does where you live enter into your writing? I don't think anything, honestly. Um, you know, I, I don't write about Colorado or anything associated with it, really. So um, I don't actually like living in Colorado. You are right. It's very beautiful, but it's cold in the winter time, and I love the ocean. And we don't have an ocean yet unless we have the big earthquake in California, in which case we might get ocean front. However, <laughs> I'm still well, waiting I have for a deposit. <laughs> I have a deposit down on some beachfront property in Arizona, so I hope it doesn't come oh, quite that far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, you know, my focus is, is pretty much England, and uh, so probably is not. That where you would, is Sorry? England where you would like to live if you had your preference would you would you care to live in England I would love to live in England I've I've said that for years maybe I wouldn't stay there the rest of my life because you know the weather there is not always the greatest either but um, I would love to be able to go there for a year or two and be able to really do some in-depth research at some of those fabulous libraries and historical sites which you can't really do when you go there on a vacation. You know, it's just, there's not enough time. So, The English people are a bit drier than we are. They have a different sense of humor. Do you try to incorporate that into the characters that you write about who are native Englishmen? I don't think so, but I, I would say probably the sense of humor in those 
books is my sense of humor. How else could I do it, you know? <laughs> but I love, I love the British sense of humor. I adore watching those um, funny sitcoms that the British do, you know, that are oh, frequently yeah. not here anyway. Oh, They're yeah. on at about 10.30 at night on the public uh, broadcast. Well, we're going to need we're going to need to take another break here, uh, folks. We are on the prologue on America's Web Radio. We're here this morning with Ann Flint, and we're talking about her book Fettergrew Hall. We'll be back shortly. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back again. We're here on the prologue this morning. We've been talking with Ann Flint. Her book, Fettigrew Hall, The Biography of a House, is a little ghostly story about an old mansion in England. And we've been talking with Ann about her research for that book and where she lives in Colorado. And she says that that doesn't influence her. I don't know how living out there could possibly not influence somebody, but she's pretty pretty firm in her uh, statement that it doesn't. So we're going to take that as fact and move along here. Now, we mentioned early on, and you are also a professional artist. Uh, tell us a little bit about your artwork, would you? Uh, my my uh, medium is water, so I'm a watercolorist. I also use acrylics as a watercolor or uh, what would be on canvas, it would look just like a an oil painting, but it's not. So um, almost everything I do is very realistic. I paint all kinds of subjects, from portraits to flowers, buildings, boats, everything. <laughs> but I suppose that flowers and old houses are probably the big combo or what I've done the most of. But, um, so landscape type things. That, too, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now, do you find that you paint uh, these subjects that you find there locally in Colorado, or do you still have your mind wandering around the English countryside? 
Well, I would say it's a combination, really. I, I've painted a lot of pieces that came from photographs I took when I was traveling. Uh, so there are there are plenty of English buildings and things that I have painted, uh, but you know you can find lots of beautiful things around your house, even you know still live flowers in the garden, that kind of thing. And um, okay. so it's probably every subject, as long as it looks good. <laughs> now, what actually came first? You do so many things. You're what we call a multitasker. What came first, though, the art or the writing? The art. So how long have you been doing that? Uh, well, let's see. I was probably about 13 when I started painting. Okay. So three or four years. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. Yeah, I actually I didn't study art um, formally in school, but when I was, oh, in my 40s or... Hmm, maybe not even that old, um, I started to take some art classes from local artists. So I did that for many years, different teachers, and uh, really spruced up my skills that way. Now, your art, is it commercial? And by that question, I mean, is it something that people can buy if they're interested in it? They can. I used to have it in galleries. I'm not doing that right now. Uh, most of my artistic energies, I guess you would say, go into writing or um, fixing up the house that I live in now, which I really enjoy doing. Uh, but the, there are a number of pieces posted on my website under About Anne. There's a tab that says About Anne and with another tab that shows artwork. So it's out there. Now, can people order copies, or can they order a print from you if uh, if they like one they see there? Yes. Yeah, I okay. think pretty easily. And again, the main website is the www.fetagruhall.com. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. So, folks, if you're interested in some really nice watercolors, landscapes, and pictures of flowers and things like that, I want you to go to Ann's site, check out her books, and also check out under About Anne, and you can get into the uh, area that shows some actual pictures of her artwork. Now, your your cover, Fetigrew Hall, is a piece of artwork. Did you design the cover art for your own book? I did, uh, but that painting is actually a painting from the 1800s by a man called George Speaker, who's British, he painted the uh, Little Morton Hall, which I mentioned earlier, did a painting of that house, and <clears throat> I thought it, w it was close to what I described in my book, and so since that picture's in the common domain, I wasn't worried about uh, copyright or anything, and I took it <clears throat> and photoshopped it a little bit to make it look closer to my description, and that's what I used for the cover. And in future books, I will probably use the same picture, but just make a few changes to it. Now, listeners, if you're, uh, you know, you can go away from the page without losing the broadcast here. You can 
uh, actually go online and go to Ann's website and see a picture of this book and see what we're talking about. It is a rather uh, ghostly-looking house, and uh, I think you'd be interested in seeing that. So get away and go over there and look at www.fetagruhall.com and look around while we're talking here. Uh, we've already discussed your research. It, uh, you did a great deal of research in getting ready to write this book, and you traveled to England many times. When you were on site, what did you do specifically while you were there in England uh, as far as researching for this book? Anything in, in particular you can tell us about? Well, when I'm there, I take a lot of pictures. Uh, I almost always buy their official tour pamphlet of whatever location I'm at so that I have information. Now, back when I started doing that, we didn't have the Internet as a resource. But now we have wonderful things like Wikipedia and the the locations have their own websites and that kind of thing. So you can gain a lot more information. There's also um, um, the Gutenberg Project, which is a, a project to actually publish old books and put them in the common domain. So oftentimes if I do a search, I can come up with some interesting information in a very old book. I was looking at one from the 1800s that was published about some of the houses that have ghostly occurrences, <laughs> according to the person who wrote it a century or so ago. And uh, so that's really interesting, and it allows me to throw some other stories into uh, research that I'm doing. So I do that, and, of course, I also take notes uh and my thoughts each night about where I've been and maybe who I talked to or things that happened while I was there. And I'm actually using that for another book I'm writing, uh, which will be kind of a travel book, but I um, I hate to call it a travel book. That's not really what it is. <laughs> anyway. Well, we'll go into that a little bit because, like we said earlier, you, you multitask with just about everything you do, and you are working on a travel guide uh, based on your trips. Tell, tell the folks a little bit more about what you're putting into this travel guide. I'm, I'm writing this book. Uh, it's based on, it's nonfiction in the first place. It's based on places I have visited in England. And so the format of the book really is that at each chapter, I tell a little bit of information about maybe why I went there or what happened when I was there or my feelings about it. And then I give information about this site. And it could be it could be a house, it could be a church, it could be any number of things that I think are kind of special. And uh I try to have a lot more information about that location than you would commonly get if you just walked into this building and they told you about it. Uh, so it, I hope, has a lot more interesting detail than you can normally find. So I suppose it's kind of a, an American perceptions of England and um, 
most people who've read parts of it think it's really interesting. So I don't like to call it a travel book, but honestly, I don't know what to call it. Well, I think a travel guide is probably fair. Uh, the thing that's amazing to me, you, you've already told us you're working on the uh, the prequel, actually, to mm-hmm. Fettigrew Hall, and you're working on this travel guide. Uh, how mm-hmm. in the world do you keep all these things straight? Uh, I mean, you know, if I was to read a book, I'd have to read it one at a time, and I certainly only write one at a time. I can't imagine how you can concentrate and keep all of this material straight in your mind. <laughs> Can you give us an insight on how you do that? Well, I have to admit that sometimes I do have to go back and reread, you know, where I was so I know, okay, this is where I left off. But um, I don't know. I guess that's just the way I'm made up. I like to read a lot of books at one time, and I, I really, right now I'm writing three different books, and I... I guess the reason for that is that sometimes I'm just kind of stuck and I don't know what else to write, so I just switch to the other book. Or I do research if it's if I can't think of anything to write that day. So um, I guess I write or read by mood. <laughs> okay. Now, when do you think the prequel to Fettigrew Hall, this book about the 13th century and the castle, when do you think that you'll have that available for our listeners to order? Well, I don't, I haven't put a date on it. Uh, it is about three quarters finished. I have, I've got to do just a little more in the middle. I already know the whole beginning and the end. I've known the end for a long time. Uh, so I'm working very, very hard to get that finished as fast as I possibly can, and it's going pretty well. So, I would really like to have a book signing and grand opening, so to speak, sometime this a winter. book launch. Not sooner, yeah. Um, okay. It occurred to me the other day that if I could, it would be really nice to get it done before the Christmas season, but I don't know if I can get it done that fast. Well, you keep plugging at it because I know folks would love to be able to get that and send it out as a Christmas gift. Real quick, tell the folks again where they can find your books. The website for my books is www.fetagruhall.com, and then you can find it by Googling me, and Flint, or the book. You can find it on Amazon or the ebook websites like Smashwords, Kindle, Nook, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, it's out there. Wherever quality books are sold. Folks, we're here again with Ann Flint. My name's Doug Dahlgren. We're on America's Web Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. 
Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And good morning again. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here with the prologue. It's an introduction to a new writer or perhaps a writer you haven't heard of before. We've had the pleasure this morning of talking to Ann Flint. She lives in the beautiful state of Colorado, and she's been telling us about her ghostly story, Fettigrew Hall, The Biography of a House. Now, we've been talking about it and the prequel and all the writings and the artwork that she's doing. Um, we want to get in a little bit to the personal process that you use because we do have a lot of other writers or people who are thinking about writing that listen to the show. Can I ask you about your writing process a little bit, Ann? Um, do you have a set schedule or any particular disciplines that you try to follow when you're working on a book? Well, I certainly had no process whatsoever when I wrote the first book, and I think that I'm more of a, a panster, i.e. I don't really start with a plot. I just start writing. Uh, but that has had to change somewhat because the future books all have to tie in to each other. So I do have to take some careful thought in making sure that I have tied them in together. Uh, there are certain artifacts and characters and things that need to be in each book or several books, and it all needs to be tied together to answer some of these mysteries. So now I really do have to pay attention. Um, I don't, I really don't have a process because I just can't sit down and make myself right. I have got to have something I want to say. So I don't have a rule like I sit down and write a thousand words every day or um, I can't really force myself to write is the point. I have to have something to say or it just doesn't work. Well, I agree with that totally. I've had some folks on some guests who are much more strict and say that they do tell themselves that certain hours of the day they sit down and write. And I guess the point of it all is that everybody's different. So if you're out there and you've got an idea, don't feel like you have to listen to Ann or me or anybody else that you've heard. Go about it your own way. Develop your own style, I guess, is the best thing. Uh, do you have, Ann, do you have a particular area of your home that is your writing zone, like an office or a particular room that you use? 
I'm in the corner of the living room. Our living room's kind of L-shaped, and I'm kind of stuck over in the corner with a desk and a computer. And uh, that's where I do most of my writing. But if the weather is really good, I will take my laptop outside sometimes on the patio. Uh, also, I have a, a good friend who's a writer, and she and I collaborate quite a bit. So sometimes I'm at her house writing. And uh, I really don't know what I would do without her. She's just terrifically helpful to me, especially when I'm stuck on something. What, so, do you want um, to give her a shout-out? Does she want her name out there? Or? Well, yeah. I dedicated Fedegru Hall to her. Her name is Tatiana Coed, or Toddy okay. is her name. Toddy. And well, hello, Toddy. She's a wonderful writer. Maybe you'll interview her sometime when she's done well, with her I, book. I, I hope she'll reach out to me. We'd love to talk to her about doing just that. Now, you you addressed writer's block already. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but you said that by the fact that you're into so many different things at the same time that you really probably don't ex- don't experience writer's block. If, if you get stuck on one, you move to the other one. Now, in the writing arena, I, I don't relate to that at all. I do sometimes get blocked, and I don't try to worry about it, but I can relate to what you're saying from my past careers perfectly because I usually was multitasking in what I did, and if something bored me or I got stuck on it, I'd go over and do the other for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I, I guess that's it. Would your, would your uh, counsel to new writers be to not worry about writer's block, or what would you have to say to them about that? Well, it's very, very frustrating. And I, I don't know why it happens. I don't know how it gets fixed. Uh, I don't understand it at all. And, you know, like any other writer, I've probably uh, read a thousand articles on what to do about it. Um, I don't think any of them are the answer necessarily. But, you know, since I enjoy research and I have to do research for what I'm writing, I can very oftentimes just switch to something I know I need to be working on and ignore the writing part until I'm able to write again. Uh, it's, 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 it's an unpleasant experience when you can't write. Even for somebody that's got all the different irons in the fire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, have you ever surprised yourself while you're in the process of writing a book? That may seem like an odd question, but... Um, well, yeah, I've been I've been surprised a lot, you know, like I said before, when my characters went off on a in a different direction than I had planned it. I was very surprised by that, but you know, not to brag or anything, but I think sometimes when I go back and read something I've I haven't reread for a long time or I wrote quite a long time ago and I look at it and go, "Well, that's really good. I like that." <laughs> so, sometimes that surprises me. When you're not writing... Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, I just had a second thought about that. Um, The other thing that happens now and again is I'll read something I've written before and go, oh, I totally forgot I wrote that. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing, but uh, it happens. You should try doing interviews. (laughs) Same question. (laughs) Um, We won't go there. When you're not writing or painting... What is it you like to do? Well, you mentioned that 
my husband and I enjoy gourmet cooking and wine and uh, entertaining. We do a lot of that. Um, I like gardening. Uh, I like plants in the house when it's too cold outside. I've uh, been working on this house I live in for hmm, nine years, either restoring or remodeling or something, and I really enjoy that. Sometimes it's a tremendous amount of work, but it's very satisfying to me. Reading. Okay. Well, now, reading. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, what do you like to read? Fiction, nonfiction, everything? I pretty much like everything. Um, I, As you know, Doug, I usually have a pile of books. I, most of my reading takes place in bed before I go to sleep, and I have a big pile of books of different topics. Um, and when I go to bed, I kind of decide what mood I'm in, and I pick up the books that seem suitable. Uh, so, yes, it's very disorganized in terms of trying to finish a book unless it just really captures me and then I, I finish it right away. Sort of like your book, as a matter of fact. Um, the sun. <laughs> uh, so I always have something historical, uh, nonfiction. I usually have a science book, lots of mysteries. Uh, very often I'll read a bestseller, sometimes biographies. So yeah, I, I cover a lot of topics, I think. Do you have any particular favorite authors? I do. Um, mystery writers, I love Elizabeth George. I like the characters. She writes a series and uh, of a British detective and his friends and family, and those are wonderful, gritty, very detailed, complex plots. Um, there's another woman named Cynthia Herod Eagles who... I also like for the same reasons. Um, she's a wonderful writer. I like, there's a guy named Len Dayton, who I'm not even sure he's alive anymore, but he wrote The Ipcris Files, which was a movie, but he's written a whole series, uh, a spy series. But I think there's nine or 12 books in the whole series, but the characters he develops are simply wonderful. But there are a lot of others, too, you know, that just depends on the mood, I guess. <laughs> okay. I like now, your book. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you, We mentioned earlier that you have a blog. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more. What do you write in your blog? Just whatever comes up? Or do you have a? are you communicating with your fans through this blog? Yes. I have... Uh, a blog which is, most of the time, it's something either entertaining, educational, maybe it's funny. I think you need to be restricted in how many times maybe you, you contact your fans. I don't think anybody wants to hear from you daily. Um, you know, they oftentimes recommend blogging every day and tweeting every day and all of this stuff. And 
you know, we're all overwhelmed. We all get way too much email. And I don't want to write anything unless it's something I feel is really going to be of value to my followers. So I don't blog more than maybe once a month, maybe every six weeks. Sometimes it's longer than that. But most of what I write is probably educational and usually about... Folks can can find this blog on your website with all the other information about you and your books. That's www.fedagruhall.com. Now, is there, yeah. real quick, anything that we've left out this morning, something that we uh, we need to touch on? Well, I think you've done a great job. I can't think of anything that we missed. Well, I thank you. Folks, I want to I wanna thank Ann for being here this morning and thank her for bringing us Fettigrew Hall, the biography of a house, and also word about the prequel, which is in the works, and her travel guide and all the other things that Ann is involved with. You can find information about her through Google. Uh, just look up Ann Flint, or you can go directly to her website, www.fedagruhall.com, and learn more about it. Uh, Ann, thank you so very much for being here this morning. Uh, I really appreciate it. I hope you've had a good time. Thanks very much, Doug. I did have a good time, and I appreciate it. And when that prequel is out, we're going to see if we can't get you back on, okay? Excellent. Okay. All right. Now, audience, you have been introduced. That has been your prologue. The next move is yours. I want you to get on uh, the Internet. I want you to look up Fettigrew Hall, The Biography of a House, everywhere that great books are sold. And today that's going to wrap up this episode of the prologue with Doug Dahlgren. Now, be sure to check out the archive section at americaswebradio.com for podcasts of this and all past shows. They're there, listed in chronological order, reverse, and you can find them on Fridays posted at 11 o'clock is our time slot normally. So now, if you or anyone you know has a book, new music, or just an interesting story that they'd like to tell, I want you to tell them about us so they could possibly... Uh, be a guest on this program. Now, in order to do that, they just need to email me at Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Tell me a little bit about yourself and book or whoever they are, and we'll see about getting you scheduled for a future episode. Now, for today, I am Doug Dahlgren. For my guests this hour, Ann Flint, and for our patient station owner and engineer, Mr. David Moxley. I say have a great weekend, take care of yourselves and each other, read a book, Ann Flint's, or maybe one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care now. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.